everybody and welcome to another episode of Intention is Everything. Happy New Year. It's our first podcast of 2021. I am one of your hosts, Karen Frazier, and with me as always, my good friend, Cheryl Knight Wilson. Hey, Cheryl. Hey, Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. Did you have a big, exciting New Year's Eve? I was in bed by like 930 no big exciting new year's this this year but i I did stay up uh very late so we did get to ring in 2021 here at home and that was nice little little quiet gathering of just chad and i so it was was nice yes our neighbors were big on the uh the things that go boom i all day long fireworks and then probably until but they they stopped at like about 9 30 so I think people just stayed up and of course I'm on the west coast I think people just celebrated new year's on the east coast and we're like okay we're going to bed that's funny because we didn't have the usual fireworks going off around here like we usually do even days before new year's um and on new year's eve I didn't hear any fireworks until midnight and then they stopped within maybe 10 minutes and usually they're going on for hours around here yeah we had more than I more than I recall but we're not here a lot on new year's eve we go we have a group of people we go do stuff with normally and so we're not often home on new year's eve so I you know I have nothing to measure it against anyway (laughs) okay so we have uh a guest today. Joining us today is a good friend of the show, a writer for Paranormal Underground, a Reiki, uh, a Reiki practitioner, Bob Fountain. Hey, Bob. Hey. Bob, are you Reiki master? Yes, I am. Okay. I don't do too much, but I did that to, uh, you know, if you're going to get in the paranormal and actually be uh, into it, you really need to take that one extra step and learn what you can learn. And part of that was the Reiki, which also ties into intention is everything, but we can discuss that later. Absolutely. Well, you know me, I like a good Reiki master. Hey, what can I say? I, I've actually used it once where it even surprised me. I, I had a, a friend whose dog was dying. She was over in uh, Afghanistan and the, her mother and father was watching this dog. It was an old dog but it had cancer. And one of the things that they was worried about is should they tell her that it's it's dying before she gets home? Because she's coming home like in three days. So I told him, I says, well, you know, I do Reiki. And I says, I've never tried the distance healing. I says, but it's going to work on an animal just as well as it would a human. So I went through the distance uh, procedures and they called me the next morning. They said, what did you do? The dog's running around playing with the other dogs. It ate after four days. They said it's doing great. And uh, it was was when when the girl came home that had the dog, they had their little reunion. It died a couple hours later. Oh, it just held on. Yeah, I told them, I said, they said, well, thank you for doing that for her. I said, well, I didn't do it for her. I did it for the dog. Yeah. The dog wanted to see his master or her master he, uh, before it died. I just kept it on that long. I said, but once she did that and they had that reunion, then the dog just went to where it needed to go. 
Yeah, that's I. Uh, a lot of people who I attune to Reiki and who take my Reiki classes actually do it because they want to for their animals. A lot of people do it who have animals that are getting older, pets that are getting older. And, um, you know, I know with my dogs as they got older, we used to have four, we're down to two, but I used the Reiki on them a lot and I still do with the other two who are they're both senior dogs as well now I mean they're both one's 11 and one's 12 I think um so yeah I I think Reiki is a great a great use for pets when my dog Spike was dying I actually sat and gave him Reiki while he was dying just to sort of help him feel less alone and, and sort of ease his transition I've done that with some of my I got four cats two dogs and I have raccoons that come in my shop every single night that I hand feed. And I figure Reiki be a good thing because if one of them bites me and has rabies, I'm going to need it. <laughs> yes, you, you hand feed like they take the food out of your hand. Oh, yeah. In fact, last year, one of the mama raccoons came in and she had a little baby with her. Well, then a couple of days later, she came in with another baby. So what she did, she had four babies. She just brought them one at a time, I guess, to show her how to show them how to get here. And, uh, you know, she'd watch them very closely. She'd be over eating the cat food and the babies would be running around my shop like maniacs. And one actually climbed up my leg and got up on my chest because I had a sugar wafer that it wanted, which was oh. kind of, it's cute. You know, you go, oh, isn't that nice? Then you go in the house. And then they come in here and say, good, he's gone. Let's trash the place. Yeah. Well, I, I know uh, that once you feed raccoons, you never get rid of them. <laughs> There's a, the, the, the plus side, somebody said, why on earth are you doing that? I said, well, I got a pond behind me, an acre pond. And crawdads will sit there and destroy the edges of a pond. Plus, if you step in some of those holes, you'll break your ankle, which I did once. Raccoons, that's one of their prime sources of food if they're close to water so I figure well heck they're out there getting rid of the crawdads for me the least I can do is give them dessert so they come in here and I give them marshmallows powdered donuts or sugar wafers oh all right so let's talk about um and Cheryl and I clearly know who you are very well but perhaps our listeners don't so why don't you share a little bit of your background and that type of thing with our listeners. I was thinking, since this is intense and everything, I thought I'd try to give some background based on that particular theme. Perfect. I grew up single parent family. I lived with my mother and grandmother as a kid. At five years old, uh, I needed to wear glasses. You know what that's like for little kids. You get singled out, get bullied, called four eyes, everything else. So. I spent most of my time alone, but I developed a passion for reading. At, at 10 years old, an ideal weekend for me was getting on a bus, going to the main library, and spending the, the day in the adult section. So I read about paleontology, astronomy, science-related topics. So, you know, most people around me, the kids and stuff, called me a nerd, which pretty much I'm still am, but thing was is I spent a lot of time to myself and self-esteem just wasn't there and uh high school you would think with all the reading I did 
I'd be good in school. I was terrible. Graduated in like the bottom 10th of my class. I think out of 400, I was 500 in my graduating class, I finished 497. So, you know, basically that helped self-esteem a lot. Joined the Navy. One of the things they do in the Navy is they do a lot of psychological and other testing on you. And when I got done with like five days of test, all of a sudden they told me I'm going to electronic school and radar schools and all this high tech stuff. And I'm trying to say, well, you must have made a mistake because basically I'm an idiot. And uh, what ended up happening, they said, well, no. They said, we do this thing called IQ testing. And they said, because of that, you're going to all these technical schools. And one of the things the instructors told me is, you know, you should have absolutely no problem at all with these schools if you have the intent to pass them. That's about the first time I ever heard about that. You know, because if you have no self-esteem, basically, you have no intent for anything because, you know, you're not worth it or uh, nothing's going to ever go well for you. you getting the drift there. <clears throat> so yeah, had, for sure. So I had people all my life tell me how dumb I was. I believed in myself for a while. And you guys both know now I've, I've graduated from college 4.0. And, uh, but the reason that happened was it finally occurred to me that, yeah, if you try hard enough and you have the intent to actually accomplish something and take the action to do it, intent really does pay off so that's been my uh life's uh concept main concept is you, you can accomplish far more than you ever thought imaginable if you have the intent and the action to achieve it i think the second part is important um yeah. And oh, yeah i think it's part of what gets lost in you know people say well i've been saying my affirmations and nothing's happening well, that's all well and good, but you also have to follow that up with action. You know, I, I could sit in my living room all day and say money is going to rain down from the sky on my head. But if I never leave my living room or do anything other than say that, then then probably that's good, not good examples. I want to kill her sunburn or suntan for summer, but then you never leave the house. It's just not going to happen. Right. Fact, that's one of the things that I do. Well, you know, I'm a paranormal investigator, but that's one of the things that I do with my clients is most of the time they're scared. They don't know. They feel helpless because they, they just don't know what's going on and they've never understood that topic or been involved with it. And that's where I teach them about intent, telling them all that they can possibly do to accomplish things on their own and give them that empowerment to take care of the situation themselves so I can go off somewhere else and write an article about it. <laughs> so, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Bob. No, I, I'm done with that. So you mentioned articles. You've been writing articles for Paranormal Underground Magazine for, what, about four or five years now? Since 2014. Um, okay, longer. Longer than that. Yeah. Um, so, articles, I believe. Yeah, you write special reports on, you know, different paranormal investigative techniques. You write special reports on more um, deep thinking, philosophical um, viewpoints, which I love because they're so outside the box. But you also write 
ghost hunter case files where you share with the readers your experiences investigating different usually homes that are reportedly haunted by the homeowners and um so you just explained how you share with your clients how intent can help them do you have a few success stories to where you know you've investigated you've shared that they need to follow up and do these specific items the and they need to set intentions as far as you know they're in control of their home you know set, setting the intention of the space do you have some success stories you can share with us oh i have many of them uh there's so many of them i'm trying to think of which ones could would be the best well there's one i'm working on right now uh in fact i was talking to the lady last night she's she got so worked up about what was going on in her house and there's, there was some, she just didn't know what she could do about it. She has an autistic daughter that's 26 years old, but has the mentality of a 10 year old. And she was just terrified about what was happening. She had another paranormal group come in and they were there for 30 minutes, asked three questions with a K2 meter, told her that there was at least three spirits there. And it was a little boy that was trapped and they left. Wow. That made, that made it even worse for her. Yeah, she's powerless, and she told me uh, yesterday that she she's been getting so worked up about it she had a heart attack. Oh no! On Christmas Eve. Oh my gosh! So I kept talking to her. I said, "Well, you did you calm down, or did the activity kind of slow down after we left? Because sometimes it picks up." But I told her, you know, one of the things you need to realize is. This is your house. It's a material world. Unless the spirit doesn't know it's dead, it knows it's a spirit and it knows that it has no control or domain over you. I said, set ground rules. I said, some there's some things out there that weren't really human and you got to worry about them as we found out, you, me, and Chad at Bobby Mackey's. But uh, yeah. most, most spirits will uh, they'll, they'll follow the ground rules. So we, I usually tell them, you know, that acknowledge them first off. I said, nine times out of 10, they're just there trying to get your attention. They just want somebody to know that, yeah, there is an afterlife and they're alive and well in it. So uh, I'll just tell them that, you know, once, once you acknowledge they're there, then they'll start paying attention and just tell them what the problem is. Just like it was a live person. And, uh, if you talk to them and say, look, you scared me at night or you, you, you scare my little kid, you can do this, but don't do this. And you put down some ground rules, say, you know, we can live quite well together, coexist. You know, it, it works. It works often. We have uh, another client that, uh, well, actually she was a niece. She called, she moved into a new house. Her dogs are going nuts at night in the bedroom when they went to bed. Uh, alarm systems were going off when nobody was in the house. And she said one night she woke up, she saw a shadow figure at the foot of her bed. So I asked a bunch of questions. I usually do that before I ever go anywhere. And uh, found out she bought the house from a lady, the estate of a lady who died. She knew the little old lady. <clears throat> and uh, she said she was just a nice little old lady. And I says, well, usually if you're nice in life, you're pretty nice in spirit. You know, if you're a real butthole in life, 
you can enjoy being a, a, a spirit because you get to creep out everybody. <laughs> but anyways, I said, well, where did this happen? She said, well, she, she died. And I said, well, where? She says, in, in the house. I said, where in the house exactly? And she says, well, in, in her bed. I says, in the bedroom you're in? I says, do you, do you see a pattern here? Yeah. <laughs> right. So I says, look, if she was a little nice old lady, she's probably just there trying to see who the heck's in her house now. I said, talk to her. Tell her you're scaring the dogs. Tell her it scares you. And she's welcome to come and visit anytime she wants. But it's your house now. And she needs to move on, which sometimes doesn't work. But, you know, just tell her that as long as she coexists and follows the house rules, she's welcome to stay. She did exactly that. She says it's all gone. No activity whatsoever. See, I think that that is a great point that you're making that I think sometimes when you're experiencing strange things, paranormal activity, whatever, it takes a negative turn, even though it may not be negative. You, your mind automatically thinks, oh, I'm scared. I don't know what's going on. So this must be bad. But I think maybe in many cases, it's not. It's, it's a spirit trying to get your attention. They're not necessarily meaning you harm. And so setting that, just saying out loud, talking to them, setting the intention, the ground rules, if you will, that I'm glad to hear that that works with your clients. Because in my case, I've had some scary stuff happen over the years, like to where like I've reached the breaking point and like, you know, shouted out that they needed to stop bothering me. They just and then I'd like, you know, flee the house. <laughs> but maybe handling it your way is a bit better, you know, be rational, be, be, you know, calm, think out what you're going to discuss and, and lay out ground rules, just like they're sort of yeah. a part of the family, right? Well, like this current, this current one where the lady had the heart attack. The yeah. reason she's so terrified is she got shoved from behind in her bathroom, fell forward and cut open her head. She needed like four stitches. Oh. And she was afraid and her daughter was starting to swear like a sailor. Well, she thought, well, maybe she's getting possessed, which, you know, that could be a real concern. That's why we went there almost immediately to, to do the investigation. But after most of my investigators that's with me are very, very good at what they do. And when they use a K2 meter, you know, you, you can't see what's going on with a K2 meter if you're listening to audio tapes. So I've taught them to, if they're asking a question and they're using the K2 meter to make some kind of a, a statement of what's happening with it. That way I can listen to, you know, a digital recorder and know exactly what's going on with what they're doing with that equipment. So they was asking this little child, you know, did, did they, did he do that on purpose? And they didn't get an answer. He says, was it an accident that the K2 meter lit up? So basically what we found out, she was told by this other group that there was a little boy who was trapped there and that he was angry that she was there. And they said that they heard on their uh, tapes that it was an accident and I didn't do it. So she's immediately thinking that this little kid did something in life that uh, he was afraid of and he's afraid to cross over. Well, I said, you know, there's another thing here. I said, a little five-year-old boy, because we, we verified that somebody died there in 19, 1910. 
He was born in 1905, so he's a five-year-old little boy. I said, if he's in that house, a lot of five-year-old kids, you get a little mischief if they shove you from behind. I said, maybe it wasn't he did something real and, you know, when he was alive. There's a very good likelihood that he was just trying to push you to get your attention. You tripped and fell, and he didn't do it, and it was a mistake. Right. I said, so he's just trying to get your attention, and he screwed up, basically. I said, your daughter talking like a, uh, swearing like a sailor. I said, I read up on autism, and that's one of the characteristics. A lot of autistic people, if they hear swearing, they almost go uh, Tourette's syndrome on you before you know gonna, it. Yeah, I was going to ask if that might be a, a potential cause. So what I did is I printed out some articles about that kind of behavior and how you can deal with it. So usually when I go back to a client, I take a flash memory with everything we investigated, all the digital information. I, I give them a spreadsheet, where to find on the thing, on the, the tapes, where they can find what I heard. I take the little clips of the EVPs. I take what I'm going to write up on a magazine article, possibly, if one warrants it. So I give them a whole bunch of information. And if need be, I'll give them a sage. I'll give them some holy water. I'll give them some uh, sea salt and show them how to purge or, or cleanse their own house because once again, intent is everything. And I said, you know, me doing it, it's just a routine thing. I says, if you do it, you have more of an intent that you really want your house cleansed than I do. So I'll show you how to do it. I also tell them, you know, that if it's something that's really negative or not human, you might really piss it off. But I said, you know, your choice. But I, I give it back to them where it's their intent that's going to make the difference, which gives them that power that they didn't realize they had to begin with. Well, so I think that's important is that empowerment of people. And I think that I, I'm glad that you do that because I think that um, it's a missing element in a lot of people who do the paranormal investigation stuff. They do, like you said, they go and they ask three questions and tell them they're possessed or whatever and then they leave and so you're not really doing anything for the people right you're just nope. scaring them or traumatizing them and that's what happened. yeah and so so there's got to be um an extra something i think so i'm glad that you do that and i know that i've consulted with you on a case or two when you've had some things going on i don't recall exactly what they are right now, but I've always appreciated that the care you take in those cases. I know exactly what you were talking about. The one by Halia with the little girl that drowned, the Civil War soldier, and the owner's uh, father who died in the house. In fact, you gave me information that, that tied in exactly with what my investigation had picked up. Oh, I did? Good for me. <laughs> yep, now they burnt the house to the ground but what I tried to do, which, you know, if you can deal from a distance with Reiki, I figured helping a spirit crossover works the same way because energy is instantaneous and it's everywhere. So when I knew they were going to burn that house down, <clears throat> what I tried to do is basically do a remote crossing over uh, ritual or procedure where I asked the little the spirit guides to help the little girl 
find a way to, to get back with her parents and cross over. Hopefully she did. Or she's sitting out in the field with a burnt <laughs> house underneath her. Well, she wouldn't. Um, I mean, I mean, you know, she's kind of in her own little, the physical world isn't a big, isn't necessarily what they experience. So no, I know. we got one right now where, uh, the, the people that, that I did the investigation with, they had to move out of this whole area. In fact, I don't know if that was in this article and I think it was in this, this, uh, issue of the magazine, the December issue where there's a whole entire area that has, has paranormal activity and it's negative. And one of the people that was a client, they end up moving out of their house altogether and moving to another area, a city called Ripley. They called me back and said, can you come out again? And they said, whatever was happening there has followed them. So, you know, that's one of those deals where you really need a, a medium or something to, to help you. And around here, you know, it's hard to find somebody that's an actual medium. There's a lot of folks that say they are, but uh, I try not to use that. Uh, I'd rather use equipment that I can at least get, you know, I'm kind of left brain. So I'd rather use equipment and stuff rather than somebody's impressions. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, you know, even though I am a medium, um, I still like to have independent confirmation because, yep, you know, yep. it seems kind of weird that I can do that. Even well, with know, everything I know, it still seems kind of weird that I can do that. So. There's, another, there's another team in Memphis that has been showcased in, in the magazine. Cheryl showcased them. It was called Memphis Ghost Investigations. Basically, they're all are all mediums and they come in so I've had some cases where we found information there's stuff there but it wasn't resolved you know it, it's, it's dangling and you don't want to walk away from a client if they're concerned and not know what to do next well since I can't I can walk into a house and tell immediately if there's something in there negative or if there's something in there at all that's about as far as my abilities go but what I've done is I've met, met with these people and I've like given them some of my clients to use them as a follow-up and they've come in and their impressions of what's going on matched what we found with all of our equipment, the way we do it. So it's a kind of supplemental thing where we're reinforcing each other's uh, data to prove that we're on the right track, which makes the client feel a whole lot better. So I do use them, but, you know, I, it's just one of those things. Uh, it's like the flashlight deal. You know, you ever seen those those shows where they take the flashlight and and it lights up for certain things? Yeah, I, because it's unscrewed and has barely any contact. But anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it micro, it micro arcs and heats up and connects. Because I did that for one of my investigators that was adamant that we need to use these. I set the flashlight next to her and asked various questions so it would light up and go off, showing that she's actually been dead for a century. <laughs> <laughs> and I says, look, we don't need to be going somewhere where you can't produce hard evidence. You know, that, that fuzzy stuff's all fine and well for TV shows. But, you know, the flashlight going on and off, uh, Ovilus's, uh, I, I've got two of them 
the newest one and one I had a couple of years ago. You know, some of that stuff is fuzzy. What I like is if you ask a question and you get an answer immediately from it, or find your tapes, you can sit there and get crystal clear uh, information. Well, on my website, I've got several EVPs that you can very easily hear there's something on there responding to whatever you're asking. So that, that's the way I like to go with that. But once again, going back to empowerment, it's once these people realize that there is something out there and there is ways you can communicate with them, that gives them the ability to say, okay, let's sit down and have a talk about this. Please quit doing what you're doing. That seems to work. So Bob, I'm curious, I know you started out investigating as someone who was more technical minded and that's how you how your philosophy started right that's that well for uh, the last 10 years where i worked i basically did process engineering which yeah, i would write technical manuals uh, i'd go into places where things weren't working right and figure out ways to improve on them or fix the situation and write about it and, and set up new procedures and things like that so yeah, I was, I was very left-brained and analytical about things. Somewhere along the line, though, you decided to learn more about the metaphysical side. Um, <clears throat> you know, how did that evolve into a more metaphysical approach? Well, probably way back. Well, first of all, the, the paranormal... The, the description of paranormal is, you know, it's something outside of, of things could be explained by science. At some point or other, most researchers, I think, they reach the, the, the point where they no longer consider it paranormal. It's normal. It's just they can't figure out the solution for it. So the paranormal thing doesn't exist. So uh, over the years, uh, I've talked to people. In fact, I've had lunch. I've sat on the floor drinking coffee one morning. People like uh, Hans Holzer, Bud Hopkins, Dr. David Jacobs, Linda Moulton Howe. And there's a, a man called Dr. Fred Allen Wolf. He's a theoretical physicist. He specializes in quantum physics. Well, he's the person who led me into the world of energy and intention. You know, I've, I lived in two houses that were, that were haunted. One was a, a residual haunting. The other was intelligent haunting and residual haunting. But uh, he brought me to that world of, of, of energy and saying, you know, there's a whole entire world out there that's unknown to most of us, and most of us don't care about it, but it does exist. So I started reading more and more about the metaphysical aspects of what goes on, what happens to the soul. Uh, why is it here? What lessons are we supposed to learn or are we supposed to teach somebody else? You know, what happens to the soul when it's gone? And why are these people stuck in the middle? You know, so it was a lot of the reading I, I did because I still read all the time. I've read probably 300 books on the paranormal and, and things like that. I've read a bunch of books about an avalanche out there in, in <laughs> Western United States. It, well, I only wrote two of those, just so you I know. know. I, well, I read the other ones you did, too. <laughs> I, okay. I wasn't going to say anything. I was, I was going to say the author was fabulous, but, you know, what the heck. I've heard that, yes. <laughs> she's okay. Yeah, what do you mean she's okay? I'm the one that can't write. 
Remember when I started out, you asked me if way back when all this started, it was because I called up Cheryl and or I emailed her saying, you know, I, I ordered a magazine and I didn't get it. Have I missed out on something or did you not have my email? So we started just chit-chatting back and forth, you know, texting. And Cheryl said, can you, can you write something about what you did? Well, in high school, on my four years of English classes, I failed all four. They, but they passed me just because they didn't want me back in their classroom. And uh, so writing wasn't my thing other than technical writing. So I thought I'd try that. And uh, from there on, I just kept on developing that. And the more I wrote, the more I started thinking about other things that had been unanswered. And like you said, Cheryl, I, I kind of think about outside the box on a lot of stuff. In fact, I got one I'm going to ask you guys as we're getting ready to wrap up. I was thinking about when we were, when we were uh, discussing intention, but that's you know, there. But anyway, that's 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 how I got involved with the metaphysical end of it. But what I do now is I understand the metaphysical and I try to come up with answers to it, but I do it using hard mechanical type instruments. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, your articles are just great. So you, your technical writing must have helped because <laughs> I don't know, they, they I, I love them. So you do well. Bob, I started as a technical writer too, professionally. Yeah, I remember that. Mm -hmm. No, usually I, I do my writing late, late at night because that's half the stuff I write. I just sit there with a blank screen and, and what I need to say comes to me while I'm sitting here as I'm putting together the sentences. And then I'll go back and read and I'll go, well, no, that needs to be gone. And I need to explain it this way. And I've always thought that my spirit guides are the ones that's helping me do this to begin with. They're just not real good with commas and semicolons, but you know, they're, 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 they're good at, at saying, no, this is what's really important on this particular thing. And I think that does happen all the time. I believe you know, that. I, I think that that's how most of what I write is, is all channeled yeah. stuff. And that was one of the things I'm going to ask later on. Do you think spirit guides use intent as well? Um, yes and no. So not in the same way that we do, because we use intention because we're having a human experience. And that intention guides us through our human experience. And so I think our spirit guides provide guidance for intent, but I think because they exist in a different realm, that their intention is, is different than ours, maybe with a different viewpoint, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, it does to me, because that's one of the things I wrote down as notes is, is first of all, I believe there's different levels of intention. You know, we have a conscious and unconscious mind, right? Yeah, for so, sure. Okay. The intentions we have when we're conscious is based on our, basically our ego and the body that we inhabit. Yes, our small, I had call it the small I, the ego. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that that's a level of intention where it's, I, I want to be hungry or I don't want to be hungry or I want a million dollars or I want this or I want that. Right. But then our subconscious, which is tied more to our soul and our spiritual, 
it has intentions too. It came here to begin with to either learn something or teach something. It came here with an intention, a base intention to begin with. And sometimes our material intentions of what we want might be in conflict of what our spiritual intentions were when we got here to begin with. So for absolutely. Example, well, for example, uh, I want to be filthy rich. You know, that's that's a kind of a good intention, and I'm willing to work to do it. But then unconsciously, my soul says, "Whoa, wait a minute! I came down here to learn what it feels like to be filthy poor." <laughs> I need to learn what poverty is and how it affects other people. So, you know, this clown that I'm inhabiting right now is sitting there saying he wants to be filthy rich. I don't want to learn that lesson. I want to learn how to just be poor. Which intention is going to happen? And in fact, in Reiki, I think we all know that because during Reiki, we constantly talk about all the energy we're giving is for the higher and greater good. Right. So we, we seem to know already that there is different levels of intention. Yeah, it's, I, you know, I used to really try to control, I guess, um, my experience through uh, very specific intentions once I figured out I had that ability. Um, and then what I started to realize is that in my very specific intentions, and Cheryl and I talk about this a lot, actually, but with my very specific intentions, I was limiting the universe. And when I say limiting the universe, really what I mean is I was limiting the, the higher intention that my soul or my higher self has for myself. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. Um, I agree, but I do think that we we can divert ourselves from what our spiritual intention is. But then typically what happens is when you are out of alignment, which most people are, out of alignment with their spiritual intention, that this the universe gives subtle signals first and then louder signals and then louder signals until you get that cosmic two by four where the universe slaps you upside the head and says, no dummy, do this. There you go. And one of the re one of the things that helps you get in that sink is meditation. Mm -hmm. Are you a good meditator? How do you meditate? With rum. No. Did you say with rum? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I meditate with scotch sometimes, so I'm hey. with you. No, I, uh, I'll, I'll just sit back and I'll be out in the shop here by myself because one, one way to have a happy marriage after you've retired is stay the hell away from the house as much as you can. But, uh, you know, I sit out in my workshop a lot because it's like my man cave. You know, I got a television out here. I, right now I got two heaters going. Uh, I've got a refrigerator, bathroom, all that kind of stuff. So I don't have to go in. But, yeah, I'll get to the point at night where, like, if I'm going to try to write an article, I just sit back and light a candle, sit in front of it, and just wait to see what pops in my head. I learned before you can't force meditation. It's, it's going to happen if it needs to. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'll just sit back and I, I think about, you know, when I was younger, being the filthy rich thing, I think all of us want to do that. But as I got older and the more and more I thought about it, money doesn't mean really mean that much to me. I could be just as happy. Well, I grew up poor, so I would just be as happy poor now as I was when I was a kid. You know, it's not that important. What I try to do now, and which is important to me, is 
every day I get up, I want to learn something that I didn't know the day before. You know, not, you know, today it's going to be 85 degrees out and sunny. I mean, something profound that could uh, really change the way you think. So that's yeah. an intent I have, actually. Yeah. I get yeah, that. I, I, me I meditate, but probably not like the way other people do. I do have one of these. Did you hear it? Yeah. What is that? That's my gong. You have a little gong? Yes. Yep. I have two really big gongs. I would ring them, but they're over on the other side of the room. Yeah. Oh, that's very nice. Yes. I, and for some people, those little bells are really super meditative and they really help them. So you use that. Do you use that at the beginning and end of meditation? Is that what you do? I do it at the beginning and sometimes at the end. But more often than not, I use it to scare the raccoons out of my shop because it scares the crap out of them. <laughs> you can also use that in when you're doing um, energy work in somebody's house. I don't do it for other people because I, once again, I'm not really sure that I have that ability. You know, I've, I've done it for myself, you know, or I've, I've I've done experiments where one side of my, I have some big dogs. And when you get old, your skin gets like paper. So, I mean, they've, they've got me where both sides of my arm has been scratched and bleeding. Well, I actually tried to use Reiki on one arm and ignore the other arm <laughs> to see if one side would heal quicker than the other. Oh, you did a control. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that, but then it occurred to me, Reiki's gonna go anywhere in your body that needs right. it. Reiki goes, so, but it was a, it was a nice try, Bob. It was. Yes. I've done it with I've done it with plants. It seemed to work with them. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I try to do different experiments like that. Uh, there's a guy named Josh Morris. He has a show called the, the Everything Paranormal Show, and he uses uh, dowsing rods to do a lot of his paranormal investigations, and they look like they would work really, really well. But since I've got Parkinson's now and my hand shakes a lot, dowsing rods just ain't going to work for me. Yeah. But I wondered, I watched, you know, real close when somebody's using them to see if their hands, if subconsciously they're just micro moving their hands to get the rod to do whatever they want it to do. Right. So I just bought some dowsing rods. I've got a board with two wooden dowels sticking up in the middle of it. And right in the middle, I've got one of those level bubbles. So I can see how the, the board's sitting. Yeah. So you can grab your hands around the dowsing rod, the wooden dowels, they're not gonna move. And then you can look down at that uh, bubble to make sure that you got the thing perfectly level. So now if they move, it's most likely some other outside energy that's doing it and not you subconsciously wanting the answer that you think you wanna get. Right. So yeah, I like this experiment with some of that equipment to see if, if it's more uh, usable than others. Yeah, I've worked with dowsing rods. I have trouble with dowsing rods because when I hold them, all they do is spin. I mean, just woo, they spin really fast. I have to hold them out away from my face or I'll take my eye out, kid. You well, know, that's probably so. the energy you have being a medium. Yeah, and so I think with dowsing rods, I always wonder about, so I, I understand that the idiomotor effect is big and things like dowsing rods, pendulums, Ouija boards, right? Yep. But I also think that 
you complete a circuit. The person holding those, the energy of that person is part of that circuit of communication. And so I always wonder if, if there's not a human touching that and completing that energy circuit, if they'll actually do something. Yeah. And I don't know, I haven't played with it ever. It's kind of like the flashlight deal. You know, yep. they could light up because something actually did it. But there's other explanations. You always got to throw out the stuff you don't understand. That's uh, right. like in these investigations. The last one I did, I spent 20 hours going through tapes. And I've got maybe a whole 12 seconds of stuff that, that I would consider valid EVPs. And then to, what I further do is once I get the EVP, I give it to my team members and let them listen to it to see what it is. And then I'll wait for another day or so and then try to listen again to see if it says what it does. So I, I try to make sure that, you know, through different experimentations, that what I'm providing somebody who's, you know, terrified and don't know what's going on in the world around them, that there's something that we're given and that really does truly help them. Yeah. That's why I have Jim is because I can only work intuitively. I just, I lack the... Um, attention to detail to work with the instruments and all of the technical stuff. But, you know, Jim doesn't work intuitively. He only works technically. So we, we make a good I, team that way. I kind of work a little bit intuitively because like I said, I, I can use a sense if I walk in someplace, the energy changes. That might yeah. be from the Reiki, as far as I know. Yeah. I know you guys have uh, interviewed Anna Dita. Mm -hmm. She was my Reiki master. And uh, she's pretty sharp with that kind of stuff. Yeah, she's lovely. I really enjoy, have enjoyed talking to her in the past. I call it spidey sense, um, Bob, yeah. that kind of, that it's a, it's a clair something, clairsentience or clair, yeah. I think that's what it is. It's one of the clairs, but I just call it spidey sense. And that's it. I mean, you, you can know, walk in a room and feel that. You know, that's like, Cheryl and Chad and me and, and uh, Teresa West, we went to Bobby Mackey's a couple of years ago. And uh, as soon as I walked in that place, it, it was just like all of a sudden you, was, you just came out from underwater and you're gasping to get breath. And I didn't say much about it. And then when we actually went on the investigation there the next night, you know, I could feel something that wasn't right, but, you know, not enough to think that there was something bad there and apparently there was because the next day and a couple of weeks later I'm in a hospital having emergency surgery so uh, yeah I, I try to pay attention to what's going on around me in fact before I go into anywhere nowadays I wear my crystals I got organite crystal that's supposed to deflect negative energy I'll do a, a prayer I'll visualize the uh, bubble of light around me for protection so when I go in somewhere, they ain't getting me. <laughs> <laughs> you learned your lesson. Do you ever, um, this is a game that I like to play. And actually one of my psychic friends and I, back when we could go places together, would do it in the car, um, is that as you drive down, you pick drive down any road, you pick out the houses that are haunted because you can feel them reach out as you go past. So, oh, that would be neat. Yeah. Try it. I've kind of done that. You know, I walk, I, we've been driving out somewhere that I'm not familiar with, and I look over and say, that house most likely is haunted. 
Yep. I do that too. I do that all the time with Jim. I used, I used to actually do that for training because every once in a while, there'll be enough people that say, oh, we'd like to come out on investigation or we'd like to do this. We'd like, you don't take people who are, who are not really good at investigations to a client's house. No. Who's wanting, you know, professional help. I know professional that, you know what I'm saying? You go to a cemetery somewhere, scare yourselves. But what I do is uh, I'll have classes. The, one of my one of my team members, uh, she's a manager of an antique mall. And every once in a while, she'll have enough people that want to know what's going on because people come and go there. Spirits, they come in there and, and, and go uh, around the place. And, and what that happens is some will attach to something, go in there, create all kinds of havoc, bust stuff, tip stuff over. Uh, people seeing full body apparitions, and then they disappear. In fact, I wrote one of the articles about buy one, get one free. But she gets enough people, we have a class. And what I do is uh, I'll spend an hour and a half, you know, explaining the equipment, what this is all about, why it's not like what's on TV, uh, legal aspects of it, spiritual aspects. And then I let them take my equipment and go through the, uh, the mall and have like a little mini investigation, which is kind of fun. And I antique wanna... malls are great for it because they have all of those objects of unknown origin with possible attachments. In fact, right now that's happening. I finally convinced the owner of the place. He wanted me to come in and exercise the place. I said, that's kind of a waste of time because whatever you run out now, something else is coming in with it. I said, just learn to live with it. That's right. Antique malls, museums, any place that has even like Goodwills or um, it's like secondhand stores, things like yeah. that. Absolutely. When I, back when we were doing a lot of investigation, when we would be called out to somebody's house, the very first question I would ask them, um, aside from what, you know, how, what are you looking for here? What would you like me to, how would you like me to help you? After that, the very first question was, well, have you brought anything into the house and do you have anything secondhand in the house? That's yep. always That's, right. I mean, it's a lead off question. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Sure. In fact, sometimes I don't have to go on investigations because. Yeah, I, I know me too. What? You just bought an antique bed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I told one lady you had a clock that she bought. It was like one of these German cuckoo clocks. And she, the activity was happening just about when she bought it. I says, find somebody who, one of your friends you don't really like that much and ask them if they can kind of keep it for you for a week or so. Which they did and the activity stopped. And she says, it was that clock, wasn't it? And I says, probably. Now, how bad do you not like your friend to tell her you're just going to gift it to her? <laughs> That's a whole nother show, the ethics of giving away haunted stuff that you know is haunted that the other people you know. <laughs> well, it's been five years since the last show, and I have, I have a feeling after you guys edit this one, it'll be five years before the next one. Oh, no. Bob, you are funny. That's why we love you. Oh, gee. Yeah, and I'm funny, too. I, I thought you were talking about how I looked. No, I'm talking about your sense of humor. <laughs> I have a warped sense of you. Well, you know, I, I try to tell the folks that go investigations with me, we need to be laughing and having a hell of a good time before we walk into a building because uh -huh. yep. positive energy attracts positive energy. You go in yep. there grumpy or, or, you know, you and your wife just had a, a, a major fight 
why don't you guys stay outside and just monitor the, the video feeds? <laughs> Nap, I get it. Good for philosophy. Sure. Good philosophy. So Bob, as we wrap up, can you talk a little bit about maybe one or two intentional practices that you do? You mentioned a couple, uh, maybe meditation, maybe using crystals, whatever it might be that you'd like to um, talk to our listeners about. Well, probably my first and foremost uh, intentional type thing is not get uh, possessed. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. I intend to not be possessed as well. Yeah, I mean, that, well, I, I think I discussed a couple of them already, so I don't have that many I have to worry about. But, you know, constantly learning something new. You get to, If you get to the point where, you know, nothing's new, nothing's exciting, who cares, that kind of thing. I think you're kind of wrapping up like what the show is. You're kind of wrapping up that you've, you've fulfilled all your missions in this physical body. And somebody at the other end screwing in the light bulb at the end of the tunnel for you. So, <laughs> I mean, I agree. Look, I'm a lifelong learner. I love learning things. Um, and that's actually one of my intentional practices is that I'm like you. I try to learn something every single day because I am always curious about the universe we live in, always. Oh, yeah. And, and the, the, what I find, the more I learn, to realize the less I know. <laughs> you know, I said that to somebody one time and they were like, don't give me that new age crap. And I was like, no, it's true. It's true. It's it so really true. Yeah. I, when I, I was 21, I knew everything. I try to do that. And my other intention is try not to be negative. Every once in a while, you know, you'll be sitting there and just something horrid comes into your mind. You know, I like to do this to this person or, or this is horrible. As soon as I see something negative come into my mind, I try to run like a ongoing background intent to acknowledge or realize that that's not my thought. That's something else probably floating around. You know, as you're driving along, you might drive through half a dozen different spirits for all you know, because they are energy and they're everywhere. So, so all of a sudden you're going down the road and all of a sudden you, you were listening to a song you really loved and all of a sudden you say, you know, it'd be nice to just take out a rifle and kill all these people. And the next thing you know, you're enjoying a song again. Well, you probably went through something negative, some negative energy, and it tried to affect you. So You know what? That I like that. Um, not necessarily the thinking that I want to take out a rifle and kill people, but I like that you, that's a new intention. That's not something that other people have mentioned before. And that's a great really? one. I actually try to always, I, I try to, I have that constant, it's that stepping back and being the third party observer to your thoughts. Well, I try to do that a lot because, you know, basically I'm insane. So you know, I got to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody told told me once that stepping back and observing my thoughts was dissociation and it was mentally unhealthy. And I was like, well, actually, no, it's the it's one of the things that you try to achieve in meditation. Yeah. And you tell me you know, the voices are telling me you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I should have said. Uh, well, I just wasn't quick enough on the drive. I was so surprised. They were like, well, that's dissociation. And like, oh, okay, if meditation yeah, well, is dissociation, then it does, I guess. Well, I have a warped sense of humor, so I, I'm easily amused, so I can think things like that. Right? <laughs> well, so do I. So does Cheryl. It's all good. So, Bob, um, what's your website? Spectraltech.org. 
Say it again. Spectral Tech. S P E C T R A L T E C H, all one word, dot org. And they can also read your articles in Paranormal Underground magazine every month, right? If they can read. Well, I yeah. think most people can, you know, most grown up people. Well, you know, after the show, there might be people out there going, Oh, he's got an article in there. Let's let's skip that one and we'll move on to something. Uh, no, it's going to get you more and more readers. I'm absolutely certain of it. I, in fact, somebody asked me from another show, you know, why don't you write a book on all this stuff? And I go, why would I want to do that? I said, you know, it's 73. I might not finish it to begin with. You know, I'm at that age where... Uh, you don't get extended warranties on anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So no, I, every once in a while, I'll just, I'll just see something that looks like it'd be a good article. And I know every once in a while, Cheryl has trouble filling up her book thing. So I, she can use me as a filler. So I do try to try to write a little bit, but not a whole book. I just, wouldn't do so anyway i got my the articles that are all, all the ones i've ever done is posted out there on my website so oh. you, you, if you went to publish articles you go back and see whether it's a spirit investigation talking to somebody who's been abducted by a ufo uh the woman died went to heaven came back things like that it's all out there cool all right. Well, Bob, we got to wrap it up, but thank you. Um, I hope it won't be another five years. Cheryl, you got anything before I end? Thank you, Bob. It's been great talking to you. I hope we get to go on an investigation together again soon. Sometime. I, well, we're, we're so close together, only like 400 miles away. Thank you to our guest, Bob Fountain, spectraltech.org. You're welcome. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, everybody, Happy New Year. Have a safe and hopefully a wonderful 2021. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.